Hi, this is Jeremy Larner. I guess I first became known for a novel of mine, Drivey Said. I then wrote for various magazines and made a movie of that novel directed by Jack Nicholson, and we collaborated on the script. I got an Oscar for a movie called The Candidate, which can still be seen on TV around election time. And uh, in getting away from Hollywood, trying to go back to books, I discovered poetry, which is a wonderful thing for me. Probably done my best work in it. Uh, Happily, my first book of poems, Chicken on Church and Other Poems, has been published. I'm very pleased with it, and I'm going to read these three poems from it. And the first one is titled, Count Basie and Oscar Peterson. Where else, brother, in your blessed life will you hear two souls, rich with years, swing to such perfection? Coming in with gentle greetings, you first know you. They take care never to step on the other's fat little deadly fingers. So totally, respectfully together. The execution inextricable from anticipation. The easy shock of entry sharing wild libraries of ingrown space. One crunching chords like Sanskrit punctuation. While his partner strides the board easy as a midnight thief. In fingertip, tiptoe runs extended beyond the end of where they could ever be, emerging without effort to eight-bar trades of tasty flights of wit. Soon they swing outside, singing, calling, stomping, with hardly a sweat, salted with sweet filigrees of wild-high piano grace, keening, comping, interjecting more outrageous mellow drolleries in the twist of a single note. They shake your mood like fresh, cool bedding, as with each shift you inwardly laugh for glee in a way you'd forgot you could ever be. These old round black guys get the music from the old well lost and grown over way back down by the river along the railroad tracks where the midnight special moans and wails around the bend. The train that cannot stop or miss a beat, but yes, it's still a-coming, believe your ears, bringing the long-gone trouble tales like water to bone-dry desert ramblers. Choosing without losing, always in touch, never too much, blowing the top of where you thought a song must stop. Light as breath, deep as pain, calm as rippling light which never fades. Way back where I can find you. After you've gone, after you've gone away. Now the next poem is about Franz Kafka. It's loosely adapted, very loosely, from a translation of a letter that he wrote, one of many letters to his friend Felice, with whom he conducted a romance by mail, which, of course, uh, broke up the moment they actually met one another, as he seems to foresee in this, but it's a fantastic poem about writing. Dearest, 
You once said you would like to sit beside me as I write. I can barely write anyway, but in that case I could not write at all. Don't you know that writing means surrender to the depths of the self which, outside among people, would mean a loss of self, from which anyone in his right mind would shrink as one shrinks from death. When one writes from the surface, when the deeper wells are covered and lost, the writing is nothing, and one stumbles in dread until that moment a true feeling comes and all collapses. One falls alone into the abyss, and only alone can one hope to return. One can never be alone enough when one writes. There can never be enough silence around one when one writes. Why, even night is not night enough. And then there is never enough time, for the roads are long and it is easy to lose one's way. And there are times one is taken by fear and starts to scurry back, a false move always punished later. But how much more so if one were to receive a sudden kiss from beloved lips? I have thought the best life for me would be to sit in the innermost room of a spacious locked cellar with my pen and paper and one lamp. Food would be put down far away, outside the outermost door. The walk to my food in my robe through the echoing empty vaults, my only exercise. At my table I would eat slowly and deliberately and then start writing again. At once, at last, I would write. From what depths would I drag it up? Without effort. Pure concentration knows no effort. But could I keep it up? The first failure, and even an ideal surrounding sooner or later, I could not avoid it, would end in a fit of grandiose madness. Well, dearest, what do you think? Don't hold back with your cellar dweller, Franz. I'm going to move on now to a poem about uh, Picasso painting. He did this for a movie called The Magic of Picasso, where he painted on glass. It's a fantastic thing to see because you can see him painting over and over again many landscapes, and, and many of them would be the greatest thing another painter ever painted if he happened to paint it. But he doesn't stop for a reason which he explains in the course of this. And the poem is called A Day's Work. Picasso kept painting over and over, going from a movie theater where people sit in chairs and a beam of light crosses above them while an usherette stands outside in a street which rolls like a ribbon, 
past a house of flexing, changing walls, which vanishes, to the sea, to a beach, alive with sails and swimmers, floating, dividing, drowning in a sudden flood of shade, the beam now the rope of a water-skier pulled into the sky, while the top of the theater is an awning, beneath which people sit at tiny tables overlooking the sea, and in two strokes a man appears who boldly stands behind the woman and grows as she grows, with her arm up, then down, her head turning left, turning right, turning into hair on a huger head, her breasts now colossal, classic, held at once from three angles as the man fits closer, absorbed in her then apart, the two shimmering in syncopated givings and takings, oscillating on the edge of finality, he might think, but they burst like tropical flowers into another incarnation. While the background flashes behind them, their clothes come and go, the two of them flare and fuse and flicker as the layers fly on, the moon rises and falls, stars shoot by and fall away, the painter not stopping at any of the many moments when the painting is good, I've ruined it, he murmurs, not caring or pausing even in obliteration, letting it throb and roll in a tide of ceaseless recreation, laying on sheets and curls of paint, pasting in scraps of paper, cutting out and pasting and dabbing and dotting and painting the paper, covering the canvas in full brush sweeps, exact and defined as the finest, tautest line, down which he plunges, reaching for the shape of his discovery, not reshaping, simply and swiftly releasing it, timing its molecular role, catching it, painting it, letting in light, more light, the clarity that begins in dark and ends in quiet night, a cooling of the sand and a calmness settling the waters, a still in the night sky, until all that was there all along consumes more than the space and time he could have known he had, until all he had is played out into it, and he has exhausted all that had come and gone, and it is done and could not be more done. He steps back then, his eyes flare and fix, then cool. He looks away. He shrugs, not satisfied, but finished for now, having reached the point where he can rise like the sun the next morning, knowing where he will start. What he has left is simpler. Shapes loom against the form of street and beach and sky. The man and woman are slept together, their limbs folded, turning in a delicate dance which does not hold still. To subscribe to the Writer's Block and hear more stories, please visit www.kqed.org slash writersblock.
The Writer's Block is produced by KQED.